time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast that's designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. In 1883, in a novel by Andrew Carnegie, a character said, I've been surrounded by trouble all my life long, but there's a curious thing about them. Nine-tenths of them never happened. You can probably think about that in the same way of how many things have not happened in your life that you thought through, all the different scenarios you thought through. A number of years ago, I was talking with a woman in my office, and she was telling me all of these stories of what she was afraid might happen. And I stopped her and I said, how many of those really actually have happened? And actually none had happened, but she kept telling me these stories of what might come her way. And as she began to tell the stories, I watched her grow the stories into bigger and bigger stories. It turned out that in my mind, she could have been a great novel writer, but in her mind, she just created novels in her mind. She never got them down on paper. She did something that she thought was about fear. She told me that she had these fearful thoughts when really what she was doing was worrying. You see, worry is writing scenarios of disaster in your mind over and over, and it's something that we all do. I will tell you that I work hard not to worry, and I will also tell you there are moments when I worry. And usually now it's because of something that's beyond my control. In fact, that's one of those big elements of what makes us worry a lot. It's things that are beyond our control or not entirely in our control. So worrying is when you're writing these scenarios of disaster over which you feel like you have no control in your mind. That's as opposed to fear. Fear is a signal to be careful that this is important. Now, notice the difference in worrying about and creating these scenarios about something that might happen versus something popping up that scares you that you're in the midst of, the signal to be careful. And there is a a huge difference between this worry and fear. And the reason I want to tease it apart is because we can do a lot more about getting rid of worry or at least minimizing worry. Fear is something that, as I talked about last week, you just want to learn to tame it. You always want to have those fearful moments of something that's telling you this is a big deal. That's different than having the worry about something bad that might happen. And a lot of times we confuse those two things. So what I want to leave you with at the end of this is a place to go, I can have fears, but I can minimize the worries. You can't get rid of the worries. That's just the the nature of having a thinking mind. And unfortunately, as far as I can tell, this is limited to humans. I don't think animals worry about what's going to happen. They may be thinking about where their next meal is coming from, but they're not actively worrying because worrying takes the capacity of weaving scenarios into the future and of thinking about all these abstract possibilities that could happen. So if you're looking at your dog or your cat sleeping peacefully beside you, they're probably not too big on worry because they can't run those scenarios like you do. Worry is really the malady of the modern mind. It's a misuse of our mental resources to nurture thoughts of potential negative outcome. And that really is the odd thing is, you know, I can't think of what is the opposite of worry. I thought about this for a while. You know, having the thoughts of good stuff happening would be, but we don't have a word for that. 
So I asked for people around me to tell me what they thought the opposite of worry was. And I heard things like carefree or unconcerned, or for many, it would be lack of care, which is interesting because worry is not the same as care. And yet I heard that repeatedly from people, especially from moms, that there was a, a lack of care would mean if I stopped worrying. And I kept thinking, what is this opposite of worry? What if we created this word for the opposite of worry, where instead of thinking about all the negative things that could happen, we thought of all the great things that would happen? Now, probably immediately as I say that, somewhere in your mind, you're going, wait, we've got to be prepared for the bad stuff that might happen. And I would say the problem is that really, most often, the worries aren't what come true. The things that happen that are bad catch us by surprise for the most part. They're not the things that we're looking for or even building the scenarios around. They're the what-ifs that pop up that you never even considered. And so a lot of times I hear people say, you know, now I have to worry about and and it's ended up being a symbol of concern or, or love or care. And I, I heard I've heard this from mother after mother and father after father and really uh, as a place of, oh, now I've got a child. Now I've got to worry about these things. Or now I've got a, a mate. Now I've got a spouse. Now I've got to worry about these things as if there is something important in the worry, that, that there's something necessary in the worry. And I'll admit that there have been times in the past when I have found myself functioning in a very worried spot, and it's a spot I don't want to stay. So I work hard to manage that that place in my mind that goes to worry and tell myself this isn't to worry about. One of the ways I've done that is to remind myself of statistics. And that is one of those interesting things that we can create these scenarios in our mind and And the worries that come to us are rarely based in statistics of what is probable to happen. Now, some people will say, well, you know, I imagine these things in my head and they could happen. And I would agree they could happen. But how many of them actually do happen? You see, when we confuse this worry with care, we're feeling like whenever our kids are out of our sight, we need to be worrying about them because if we're not worried about them, we're not caring for them. Or when they go off to college, if we're not worried about what's going on with them, we're not caring for them. Or even if they're in high school, you know, when they're out with their friends, if we're not worried about them, we're not carried, caring for them. And in reality, the worry has nothing to do with our care. In fact, sometimes I think the worry overwhelms the care, that the care can be there without worry, without any connection to that. As long as we recognize that the worry that's going on is something we're just creating in our mind. So let's get rid of that, first of all, that care is not the same as worry. Worry is wasted mental energy. It's wasted mental resource. Caring for somebody is a heart place. Worry is a mind place where we build these possible scenarios. Worrying is always unproductive. It does not stop anything bad from happening. Back to this woman who was in my office, and she kept telling me all these worries and worries and worries. And I said, what would happen if you stopped worrying? And she said, oh, I can't do that. And I said, why not? And she said, well, then I won't be prepared. And my response was, how many times has what you've been worrying about actually happened? She tried to come up with a few, and she said, well, you know, there was a time when my child got sick. And I said, yes, but did you worry that your child would get sick at that point? Or had you created multiple ways of worrying about your child possibly getting sick? Because they're not related. Worrying about something doesn't cause or keep something from happening. It doesn't cause it to happen. It doesn't stop it from happening. They're independent. Worry is just what we do in our own mind. So let's just agree that worry is, number one, quite unproductive. 
It does not ever stop, nor does it cause anything to happen. But probably upwards of 99.9% of all your worries never happen. Statistically speaking, I mean, think about how much time you spend, unless you're some, somebody who doesn't spend a lot of time worrying. And my guess is if you're a person who's free of worry, you've long ago turned off this podcast because it doesn't apply. So if you're listening, my guess is there's some place where you go, wow, you know what? I really do tend to worry a lot. So let's say that out of a hundred times, less than one of those things happen. And think about how many times you worry about in your mind. You know, you might be sitting there wondering what's going on at work, worrying about what's going on at work, and you go through all the possibilities and nothing happens. And you do that day after day and nothing happens. And then one day it does happen. And unfortunately, what our mind does is it remembers that time when we were right, when we worried and it came true. Not all of the multiple times when it never happened. It never even came to be. One of my favorite philosophies is stoicism. Stoicism is about facing what life is about. It's not about not having feelings like we, we kind of talk about people who are stoics. You know, they don't show their emotions. That's not stoicism. Stoicism is an ancient philosophy that basically said life throws you good stuff and bad stuff. And when you're uh, assuming that one or the other is not fair, then you get stuck. And so really what we're looking at is stoicism as a way of saying life just happens. And we've got to learn to cope with life. We've got to prepare to cope with life. And so one of the great Stoic philosophers, Seneca, said, There is nothing so wretched or foolish as to anticipate misfortunes. What madness is it in your expecting evil before it arrives? What he was basically saying was, why worry about it before it gets here? There's plenty to, to have on your plate. There's plenty to deal with. It's right in front of you. Why worry about all of those things that might not ever happen? And yet we do. Thomas Jefferson once said in, in a letter that people who worry all, are always counting that the worst will happen because it may happen. To these I say, how much pain have cost us the evils which have never happened? I like that. How much pain has it cost us? How much do we get stuck in these things that don't ever get anywhere? Just because that's the nature of our minds. So you can't stop the seeds of worry. Let's be clear about that. There are places when it just happens. We've talked many times in this Thrivology podcast about the role of the mind. The mind just creates thoughts. There's nothing we can do about that. That's just what our mind does. It throws out thoughts, and we've got to decide how to sort those thoughts, how to deal with those thoughts, how to grow some thoughts, and how to shrink other thoughts, how to give power to some and take power away from other thoughts. So you can't stop the seeds of worry. That's what your mind does. It just creates these seeds. Your mind casts them all about, looking for fertile ground. You have to provide the soil, the food, and the water for it to take root, though. That's what you do when this happens. So how does that happen? First of all, low energy creates more fertile soil. You might say there's more manure in your thinking when you're at a low energy level. So if you're at a bad mood, when you're having a low energy day, when you're just things aren't going well, or maybe you're even just imagining things aren't going well, you're more likely to hit those places of, of worry because there's just not enough energy. Whenever our energy depletion is in our mind, and whenever our body is depleted of energy, our mind is depleted of energy, we're likely to do two things. One is we're likely to grow the worries more. And the other is that we're much more likely to assume that our thoughts are real. 
So when you're in a bad mood, think about how often you kind of misinterpret things and how you grow them into bigger things. Or when you're in a low mood, let's just talk about the low energy level. It's more likely that you're going to allow that to grab and grow. And so low energy creates much more fertile soil. Just think of it this way. Low energy means there's a lot more manure for it to spring into. And then you can begin to be careful when there's low energy. Sometimes we can't do anything about the fact that we're depleted, that we're low on energy. It's not that you can just you know, plug in and charge back up. You can take some active places of saying, I'm not going to allow all my resources to be gone. But when you're at low energy, it's a very important time to be careful, to not let the manure catch the seeds, to not allow yourself to assume that every thought is real. When you focus, though, that's what provides the water and the other nutrients that are important for the worry to grow. Whenever you begin to focus on it, notice how that happens. A seed of worry gets cast about. It lands somewhere. Maybe you're a little bit low energy. And then you begin to think about it. You begin to focus on it. You begin to grow it. We all have those moments, whether you're sitting at your desk worried about something that's going to happen at work or you're lying in bed worried about something that's going to happen with your spouse or with your friend or with your kids or with your job or with the IRS or any other thing that is one of those imaginary places of worry. When we have focus on it, it begins to grow. It begins to expand. It begins to take on new textures that are hard for us to then rein in. The truth is that worries are the weeds of your thoughts. So here we are providing a fertile soil, and then we're focusing, providing more water and nutrients. And as you do that, you grow them. Worry is always a weed. So what does a weed do? Well, a weed just takes up resources. It doesn't add anything out there. That's why it's a weed. It doesn't feed anything, doesn't provide anything, except for it's not supposed to be there, and it takes up the resources that could be better put to good use somewhere else. Unless you're watching for them and you're pulling them up, they will take over the flower bed of your thoughts. And so you want to make sure that you're constantly pruning them and pulling them back and cutting them down. Now, I don't know how your yard is, but in my yard, I'm constantly having to battle back the weeds. We have other people down the street from us who have given up the fight. They've given up to the weeds and the weeds have overtaken their yard. And this is a kind of like that when when you give up and you just allow the thoughts to take off. You allow those worries to take off. You allow them to choke out the good stuff that you want there. The beautiful stuff that you want to grow there gets choked out by these these weeds of worry. And so we want to make sure that we're finding ways of minimizing that. It's much easier to get into the habit now of breaking them down than later. In fact, when somebody has asked me before, you know, when's a good time for me to, to get hold of this? Because there are some things I, I need to focus on. And my response is always, it was a good time before now to, to get this underway. So you always want to start where you are right now. Don't worry about where the worry has been in the past. Be focused on trimming them back, of getting to a new place, of finding a better place, of being going forward. Here we are, the birth of a new year. It's a great time to say, you know what? It's time for me to put away this worry and really get to something that's important in my life. The things that are really are those fearful places to grow into. Those, that's where you want to spend your energy, not on the uselessness of this worry stuff. So let me give you five steps of minimizing and dealing with the worry. 
Now, first, let me remind you that you're never going to get completely away from worry. As long as you have people around you that you're concerned about and as long as you have a life you're living, you're going to have those seeds land. Your only question is, are you going to let them grow? Are you not just going to let them go? Are you going to help them grow? Are you going to weave them? So step number one, acknowledge the amount of worry that's there. Look at all the what if stories you tell yourself. Now, if you're telling yourself the what if stories of what if I get that great job and what if I have that dream house and what if I have that dream relationship, I'm all good with that. If, if you're weaving great stories, the opposite of worry, keep doing it. But if you're telling yourself or asking the question, what if, and you're noticing how often that's happening, the, the what if stories. Notice when you begin to tell yourself a story of what might happen in the negative to yourself or to loved ones. Notice what happens there and notice how often. Because the first place that we have to get real clear is acknowledging it happens. Years ago, I had another woman in my office, and we were talking about this whole thought process, and I was trying to help her understand how much thought was going on in her mind, and she said, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't have these thoughts in my head. And I said, really, you don't have any thoughts in your head? She said, no, I don't, I don't have that. And so I said, okay, well, I, this week, I just want you to kind of notice it. Just kind of notice it this week and see what becomes of that. She came back the next week. She said, I am so angry with you. And I said, why are you angry with me? And she said, I didn't realize how noisy my brain was. I didn't realize how much was going on in my head. Well, that's the first step of acknowledging the amount of worry that goes on in your life. The second thing you want to do is notice when the worry is happening. Just make note of that. Is it early morning when you first wake up, you're lying in bed, and you suddenly are overwhelmed with all these possibilities of negativity that can hit you? Or maybe it's late at night. You know, when you're lying there trying to go to sleep and you begin to think about all these other possibilities. Or maybe it's all the time, that from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, and even in your dreams, you're finding this. It's good to know when it happens because sometimes you can notice a pattern to it. Sometimes people find themselves catastrophizing, which is a nice way of saying getting into that worry pattern and making everything look like it's going to go to you know, hell in a handbasket. That would be catastrophizing. And so notice when it happens. It's important to note that because you're going to want to do something about that. You see, here's what you need to understand. Number three, the third step is to notice that the worry inhabits the empty. When you're not focused on something else, it gets you. Right. And so you have to find some ways of calming yourself. So worry is always the habit of the empty. So now we get to some active things. Number four, step number four, tell yourself to stop. When you're worrying, say stop and do two things. Imagine in your mind as vividly as you can a stop sign with a big stop right across that stop sign. And, and imagine yelling at yourself. The reason I say imagine yelling at yourself to stop is because if you're yelling at yourself, stop, you're probably going to scare everybody else around you and make everybody wonder what really is going on with you. So just imagine your head yelling loudly, stop and seeing a stop sign. What that does is it activates both the auditory center in your brain and the visual center in your brain and disrupts the pattern of thought that's going on. So tell yourself to stop and remind yourself it's just a worry. You might even need to argue with yourself some about the statistical evidence here or the possibility how many times these things don't happen. But you want to make sure that you're emphasizing this is not a likely scenario. It's just a worry scenario. And then if you need to distract yourself, if number four doesn't stop it, distract yourself. 
Now, here's the thing about distracting yourself. You need something active to do. So let's say you wake up in the middle of the night and you're worrying. Lying in bed and thinking through all those worries is not going to help. Get up and read a book. Read something that will engage you. So not something very dull that you might use to you know, kind of drift off to sleep, but something that will engage your brain a little bit. If you're, it's in the morning, the same kind of thing. You might want to journal a little bit about what you do want to have happen in your life, or you might want to do some activity that will take, your, take some brain energy. For instance, maybe you've taken up a new hobby. Maybe you've decided to play the guitar or play the piano or do something that will engage your brain. Do that when you're worried because when you're just sitting there doing something um, that, that takes no mind power, your mind still has room to spin. So if you're someone who maybe likes to knit... Knitting tends to be a very thoughtless kind of process that you just your hands just kind of do it. So there's a lot of staticness to it. The same with people who paint. Sometimes when they're painting, they kind of zone out and their mind goes in different places. I find when I run, my mind wanders. So I have to make sure it doesn't wander to the worry. But do something that will take your focus. It needs an active focus. And then also practice the belly breathing. I've talked about the belly breathing before, but just to remind you, belly breathing is when you're breathing through your diaphragm. If you were to lie down on the bed and put a hand over your breastbone and a hand over your belly button and breathe so that only the hand over your belly button rises, that's belly breathing. The reason that's important is because it triggers to your brain that everything's safe. And as you calm down, as you calm your brain down, it's easier to calm the worry down. When your brain is already actively in that fearful place, the worry phase, you got to pull it out of that and say, you know what? Everything's okay. Everything's calm. And that's an important part of the process. Okay, so let's go over this very quickly. Remember that worry is writing those scenarios of disaster. It is just a malady of the modern mind. And the problem is that when we nurture those thoughts of potential outcomes, that aren't ever going to happen. They just take away our mental resource. Worry is not the same as care. All it is doing is wasting your mental energy. It's unproductive. So let's get away from it. Remember how to deal with it. Acknowledge the amount that it happens for you. Note when it happens so that you know how to target that. Then remember that worry inhabits the empty, those empty spaces where there's nothing going on. So tell yourself to stop. Remember the stop sign and yelling to yourself mentally only and then remind yourself it's just a worry. Find a way to distract yourself and calm yourself using those belly breaths. And remember this one last thing. Worry is a habit. You break habits over and over and over until they're completely broken. So if you've gotten into the habit of worry, it's time to say, you know what? I'm giving that up. I'm, I'm going to get away from that habit. Every thought pattern you have is simply a pattern of thought, a habit of thought that can be broken and retrained. Work to retrain your mind. Give yourself plenty of room to do it. Understand that you're not going to get it exactly right the first time. And this is a, a task in process. This is not an immediate thing. We work on minimizing the, the worry and you begin to take back your life and have much more energy for stepping into those big, important things that leave a lump in your throat and a place in your heart and pull your gut towards something important. That's where we want to spend our time and energy so we live a full life, not a worried life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. 
Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.